We are going to uh, watch a video real quick as way of introduction. So uh, go ahead and take a look at this. And by the way, before we begin, real quick, I do a video about every two years. So if you love video, soak this in, okay? It's going to have to carry you for quite a while. But, but here we go. Pay close attention. Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, at precisely 3.34 this afternoon, was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. I was planting my petunias in the potting shed. Constable, arrest Lady Smythe. But, but how did you know? Madam, as any horticulturist will tell you, one does not plant petunias until May is out. Take her away. It's just a matter of observation. The real question is how observant were you? Uh, action. Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, at precisely 3.34 this afternoon, was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. I was planting my petunias in the potting shed. Constable, arrest Lady Smythe. So how many of you caught three? Oh, by the way, this was a commercial for uh, paying attention to cyclists, which you should do, but that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) How many of you saw any of the 21 changes that took place in that little episode. Give me, if you saw three, raise your hand. Okay, Benson Ledbetter. Savant, I tell you. Okay, uh, anybody else? How about five? Twelve? Real quick, Benson, have you ever seen this before? Wow, that's awesome. You're impressive. We were worried about who killed the guy who was dead on the floor. Can't even remember his name. I'm a midget, lightweight intellectually. (laughs) But we don't see a lot of the details sometimes, and sometimes the details are important, right? Today we're going to look at Luke chapter 19, verses 28, really through 40. It's about Jesus receiving all the glory that was due him every single day. But I, I fear that sometimes we're so focused on the main point that we miss some of the peripheral points, and they really add value to the overall point. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. And today we're going to look at it from a different perspective, from the perspective of the donkey. So let's read it together, and, and we'll see if we can get a better appreciation for what God is trying to tell us in this text. After Jesus had said this, it's the parable of the minus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, which is the first day of Holy Week. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, 
And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Which is a perfectly legitimate question. Tell him, the Lord needs it. Evidently, that will be a satisfying answer because those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? It's the owner's prerogative to ask that question. They replied, the Lord needs it. Satisfying because the next thing you see is they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. We are going to examine this text from the perspective of the donkey. The question is why? Just to be novel, just because it's a named Sunday, Palm Sunday, and we've become too familiar, and so we have to look at it from some sort of crazy different angle? No. I actually believe that the donkey has a very important role in this passage. I think God wants to teach us something very important through the donkey's perspective. The reason I believe this started in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. If you look at your, your cross-reference notes, you're going to see that this is a fulfillment. Luke 19 is a fulfillment of a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, right, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now look, this is really important. God chose this donkey 500 years before Jesus lives. God made a prophecy about the donkey. So you got to think that the, the donkey is not some sort of innocent bystander. The donkey has a purpose. The donkey is supposed to carry the righteous king who has salvation into Jerusalem. Verse 10 is going to go on in Zechariah 9 and say, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So this king who comes in riding on this donkey will be a king proclaiming peace to the nations, and his dominion will go the whole world. This is not going to be a territorial king. It's going to be a universal king. Look, Zechariah, make no mistake. Luke chapter 19, make no mistake, is about the king. It's about King Jesus, but the donkey plays an important role. The donkey is going to carry the king who brings peace and salvation to the whole world. He's going to bring that king into Jerusalem. Now, here's the question we have to ask. For what purpose did God choose this specific donkey? Why, why go to the trouble of 500 years prior giving a prophecy about a donkey of all things? The donkey was picked 500 years beforehand for a very specific purpose. What is it? Before we totally answer that, let me just say that there's a similarity between the donkey and us. 
probably a lot of similarities between the donkey and us, but I digress. We too were chosen beforehand, weren't we? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's God talking to Jeremiah. So God chose Jeremiah beforehand. He chose a donkey beforehand. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says that he chose us too beforehand, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. This this is Palm Sunday. It's not Election Sunday. I'm not not here to explain election or predestination, not trying to, to rile you up or anything like that with this glorious truth that is doctrinally sound and biblical all throughout. I'm here to tell you, though, simply this. Your life matters to God. Your salvation did not happen by happenstance. You didn't just luck into it. God was intentional. God chose you beforehand. The text says he chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world. He goes back more than 500 years for us. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That should make you feel special. Even if you don't totally understand it, even if there are consequential questions that it raises, I get that, but feel special in the moment. God had a very intentional purpose for us. So the donkey was picked out for a special special purpose 500 years beforehand. We were chosen too beforehand. There are other similarities. The donkey was tied to a post, and a donkey is a beast of burden, right? So if a donkey who is a beast of burden is tied to a post, doesn't that render the donkey pretty much useless? The donkey's tied to a post and the donkey's never been ridden. That means useless for a donkey. Donkey was tied to a post. The donkey was useless. It's a similarity there. We too were tied not to a post but to a sin nature. And, and our tethering to our sinful nature made us useless too, didn't it? I mean, at least unto the things of God, God desires to glorify himself through us. We were tied to our own sin nature. And we couldn't glorify God. John chapter 8, verse 34 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Think about the term slave to sin. Everyone apart from God's grace who sins is a slave to sin. Think about slave to sin. Couldn't you also say that that person is bound to sin? Aren't people who are enslaved bound by something? I think it's hard to argue against that. Our problem is we don't want to take that all the way like the Bible does. We we want to think of sin as an inconvenience or, or something that keeps us from living a fulfilled life, but, but not something that really enslaves us. That's, that's a little strong. I worked on a hor- horse ranch up in Montana when I was in high school, and we had 30 or 40 horses, and every morning we'd, we'd bring them in, we'd, we'd gather them into a corral, and we would, we would tether them. They'd have a halter on, and we would tie them to hitching posts, Vertical posts were cemented into the ground, and then horizontal posts, and we would tie the the halter rope to the horizontal posts. 
And so most of the horses, when you would tie them to the post, they would realize that they were actually tied to the post. Out of the 40 horses, there were probably three horses that were just a little thick. They would sit there for a while and go, you know, I'm tied to this post. I can't go anywhere. I'm tied to this post. I can't go anywhere. And then they'd say, maybe I'm not tied to this post. And they'd rear back with all their might. And you know what? One of them was so strong that he actually pulled the horizontal post off of the vertical post. And boy, that's a dangerous scene because he's not the only horse tied to this vertical or horizontal post. It comes off of its moorings. Other horses are tied to it. Horses are panicking. All of a sudden, there's this kind of tug-of-war action. We can't have this in the corral. It's going to break horses' legs. It's going to break cowboys' legs. So the head wrangler at the Elk Canyon Ranch up, up near White Sulphur Springs, Montana, he's a smart guy. He says, you know what? I've got to teach these rebellious horses a lesson, a lesson that they are indeed tethered to these posts when we tie them to the posts. And so the next day, he gets one of those vertical beams, and he ties the rebellious horses to those vertical beams, the beams that won't move. And he ties them, not with ropes that can break, but with inner tubes, car, tires. And so these horses sit there for a while, I'm tied to the post, I'm tied to the post. And all of a sudden, he says, I'm not tied to the post, and he pulls back with all of his might. That inner tube, it's not static. It's dynamic. This horse pulls back, and then wham! Slams his head right into the post. You know what? Forever and always, that horse knew tether means tether. I wish we were as smart as those horses so that we would realize how desperately we need Jesus. We can't pull away from our own sin nature Only Jesus can let us free, set us free. But a lot of times we think, well, I'll just clean my own self up. It's just not going to happen. The donkey was tied to a post and it made him useless. He couldn't get away. We were tied to our own sin nature and it made us useless unto the things of God as well. Now here's the good news. Here's the gospel. The donkey was untied from the post so that the donkey could fulfill his purpose. Isn't that a similarity to us as well? We were freed from our sinful nature in order to fulfill our purpose as well. That's what the gospel does. It frees us from our own depravity so that we can serve God and his kingdom. That's why you were saved. There's one more similarity between the donkey and the Christian. Jesus owned the donkey. You might go, where do you see that in the text? I see it in verse 31. In verse 30, it says, Jesus says to his disciples, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt there which has never been ridden, useless. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Now, the Lord needs it there is pretty close, but it's not totally accurate. In Greek, what it really says is, the Lord of him needs it. So the donkey's Lord needs the donkey. That's what the Greek text says. There is a worldly owner who has, by all impressions, the rights to this donkey. 
But Jesus is going to trump that. He's going to say, tell the worldly owner that the guy who created it needs it. Evidently, that's going to be enough. I think this is a small miracle here. Because the owner says, okay. That normally wouldn't happen. The Lord of him has need of him. Jesus owns us too, doesn't he? In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You're not your own. A lot of people think that they don't want to become Christians because they feel like if they become Christians, they're going to lose their freedom. What is free about being tied to a post? Nothing. But conversely, a lot of people think, well, now that I'm a Christian, I'm free to do whatever I want. Salvation means fire insurance. We've been bought at a price. Somebody owns you. Every one of you. That's that's the biblical reality. You are either owned, tethered to a, a sin of your own depravity, or you have been bought at a price, released from that post, so as to serve the king of kings. But either way, you are not your own. You are owned. Do you get what I'm doing here? Why talk about the donkey? See, the donkey is ultimately a metaphor for the Christian. He, he has all the same life circumstances as a Christian, both before Christ and once he's been freed from the post of his own tethering. That, that's us. Let's get specific. Why was the donkey freed from the post? If you're following me, what you're really going to ask is, this isn't about a donkey being freed from a post. Really, what he's asking is, why were we freed from sin? Because that's the question that we're asking through this metaphor. Why was the donkey freed from the post? Well, the donkey was freed from the post simply to carry Christ to his glory, right? That's what we saw in the text. He carries Christ into Jerusalem. People are laying down palm fronds and and coats and saying, Hosanna, glory be to the king. It's this wonderful day. Donkey's never been ridden, freed from a post, put Jesus on him, carries him to his glory. That's why the donkey was freed from the post. Why were we freed from sin? We were freed from sin to carry Christ to his glory. It's the exact same purpose as the donkey, right? What does the Westminster Shorter Catechism say? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I don't know anything else about the Westminster Shorter Catechism by memory other than that first statement. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Why do we exist as brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of God, as the redeemed of God, as sinners made saints? Why do we exist? To glorify God. We were untethered from our depravity so as to carry Christ to his glory. God didn't save you to be a trophy on his shelf of mercy. He saved you so that you could lift Jesus up and take him to places where people praise him. That's why you draw breath. It's as simple as that. You don't draw breath to make money. You don't draw breath to find pleasure in this world. I hope that all of that comes to you. Fine if it does. Fine if it doesn't. But your purpose, the reason God has given you breath in your lungs, 
is to bring glory to God, to Jesus. True obedience, this is our great application, and it's not much of one. Listen closely. True obedience brings glory to God, not glory to man. If we really do exist to bring glory to God, then true obedience ultimately exalts Jesus, not you, not me. See, the donkey can get a little bit confused. The the donkey can think that the palm fronds are for him. Nobody was laying palm fronds down on the road because here comes the donkey. But donkeys can do that, can't they? They didn't throw cloaks down on the road because the donkey was passing by. But, But we can get confused. We can start to think that it's all about us. Nobody yelled out, blessed is the donkey who comes in the name of the Lord. Just didn't happen. Just didn't happen. But here's the deal in ministry. And make no mistake, every single one of you are called to ministry. High school, college, single adult, married adult, retiree, you're all, if you're redeemed, if you're all, if you're Christians, called to ministry. People are going to try to make your ministry about you. They will. Your natural inclination is going to make, try to make your ministry about you. We're having a simulcast of David Platt. David Platt's an incredible teacher of God's word. David Platt wrote an incredible book called Radical. I love that book. You should all read that book. David Platt has co-authored books with Francis Chan. Francis Chan, good guy, really talented writer. You should read all of his books too. I haven't, you should. They both look up to John Piper. John Piper is fantastic. He's a, written a whole bunch of books that all culminate in Christian hedonism. He's fantastic. I, I believe him. I'm for him. These guys are the, kind of the triumvirate of, of Christian theological pastoral writers today. I, I think they're all good. Read their books. Each and every one of them would very clearly and absolutely agree with my assessment that they are donkeys. They are donkeys. I am a donkey. You're a donkey. We're all donkeys or any other synonyms. But that's the deal. We're all donkeys. We exist to be beasts of burden, to carry Jesus to his glory. That's why they exist. That's why I exist. That's why you exist. We exist to carry Christ to his glory. And apart from Christ, we don't really have a purpose. And apart from God empowering us to carry Christ, we don't really have a purpose. So Christ and his elevation is our ultimate goal. God and his empowerment is our ultimate resource. And beyond that, you know what we are? We're like a baseball mitt. This this is Katie Adams' baseball mitt. I really should have brought my baseball mitt because my baseball mitt is as pure as the driven snow. It's made by Nakona. It is sweet. This, this is tolerable. 
okay? It'll work. Don't get me wrong. You throw a baseball to me, I can catch it. I can catch it here. I can catch it there. I can catch it here. I can catch it almost anywhere within arm's length. I'm pretty slow now, so I can't catch it anywhere. But it won't be the glove's fault. I can catch a baseball with this mitt, all right? But here's the deal. My mitt, this mitt, any other trashy mitt that you can buy for softball, whatever, Good, bad, indifferent, serviceable, but watch this. That mitt is useless, isn't it? You could throw mitt, you could throw baseballs all day at that mitt. It's not going to catch anything, is it? Serviceable when it has something inside of it. Useless. You guys are catching this, right? Okay? We're a baseball mitt. With God inside of us, serviceable. We can carry Christ to his glory. We're a serviceable mitt. We lift Jesus up that he might be exalted. Without God inside of us, not much use for a baseball mitt. What's your ministry going to look like? Are you in it to win affection from people around you so, so that people will go, Sally is just so talented. Billy, he is so gifted. Or is your motivation in ministry to exalt Jesus? It's hard to keep it straight. Donkeys sometimes think it's about donkeys. It's not about donkeys. It's about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thanks that you've redeemed us, Lord. Thank you, God, that you've given us this great purpose in life. Thanks, God, that you have called us to exalt your son. What an incredible privilege. Father, I pray that we would resist the pride of life that would make us think that it is about us, that it is about uh, people's impressions of us. I pray, Lord, instead that we would be so wholly focused on Jesus and his exaltation that our, that our hearts, that our ministries would be pure. I pray that you would keep us from, from sins that rob you of your glory, that sin, the sin that tries to usurp your glory when we step in front of and gather accolades for ourselves. Father, I pray that we would be humble. I pray that we would be zealous. I pray that we would be joyful. I pray that we would be active in your service, in lifting Jesus higher, for the world desperately needs to see Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.